0: Hello and welcome to this special episode of Inside the Mind of Champions, where I'll be reflecting on some of the inspirational and thought-provoking moments from the Tokyo Olympics. The 32nd Olympiad was of course defined by so much uncertainty, first by being delayed by over a year and then only getting the final go-ahead just a few months before the launch. Japan had hosted the Olympics four times before, and for a nation which pride itself on discipline, planning and culture, I'm sure this created chaos for the organisers, the sponsors and all the stakeholders involved. It's such a shame that nobody could travel to explore this incredible nation, and it's definitely on my bucket list for the future. So they faced widespread criticism in Japan for bringing thousands of foreigners into the country during the COVID state of emergency. Hopefully they feel that their decision was vindicated and they can look back now with pride at what was achieved. While their local communities couldn't get into the stadiums, the global community that loves sport and the aspiration of the Olympics all came together from various corners of the globe to watch this incredible spectacle. So the tight, biosecure bubbles were set up and the athletes and coaching teams arrived. These were all in isolation, these games, with no live crowds, which made for a really surreal atmosphere at the opening ceremony and throughout. As for the athletes, they would have been redesigning their training schedules many times in the months leading up to the games to ensure that their peak conditioning was timed just right with that level of training intensity and competition in the build up, in the early build up, it was amazing to see the footage of the athletes being incredibly resourceful and innovative, training in their back gardens. I saw Adam Peaty, the swimmer, with an inflatable pool that was brought in and a current to, that he could swim against without uh, moving. And lots of the athletes were doing press ups with their kids on their back and, and doing all kinds of uh, improvised weight routines to allow some of their conditioning to carry on even though they couldn't work with their teammates, their trainers and their coaches. So lockdown definitely wasn't going to stop their drive and they found new ways to get prepared. Over the 33 sports and 339 events, there was so much diversity and talent on show. There were some incredible surprise stories with the Italian who won the men's 100 metres and the Indian javelin athlete Niraj Chopra who won gold for them. And there was also heartbreak for athletes getting injured like Adam Jamele, Dina Asher-Smith and Katrina Johnson-Thompson. They were heartbroken in their interviews. In other kinds of heartbreak, the German modern pentathlete Annika Schoy had a shocker. How can a sport after four years of training give you just 20 minutes in that high stress environment to create emotional connection of trust between you and your horse? It seems absolutely ridiculous to me in such a high stakes sport. And so much was out of her control that she was sitting on a horse that just didn't want to play, was completely overawed by the experience. And it ended up being a nightmare for somebody who's trained you know, brilliantly over that four year Cycle, So that was a really sad story to watch. And as ever, there were examples of foul play with her coach actually punching the horse in frustration, which got her disqualified from the event. Uh, And also the French marathon runner, Amdouni, who knocked over all the water bottles from one of the marathon water stations so his rivals couldn't get a drink, which I thought was absolute shithouse sportsmanship. Whereas Kipchoge remains a great champion. And, you know, effortlessly took the first bottle off the table, had a quick swig and, and threw it into the recycling uh, you know, centres as the race carried on and he went on to win it, a great victory. But yeah, trying to stop all your fellow athletes from getting a drink looked a little bit too desperate for me. I also loved the mixed genders of the teams, you know, where you saw it work particularly well in swimming and triathlon. It's really opened up. Other opportunities for for wider sports to have men and women competing in mixed teams, I thought that was absolutely brilliant, and, and definitely they would love to see more of that in the future and Talking of male and female combined success, that story of Jason Kenney and Laura Kenny, a remarkable couple winning even more cycling medals, thirteen Olympic medals between them, with ten of them being gold. It must be a serious heavy-duty mantelpiece at Kenny Towers to be able to support that lot. I almost imagine them walking into the golden palace of Amritsar as their new home. Uh, They've definitely got the Midas touch and deserve every moment of their celebrations and success. But it's not all about the golds. I love the celebration and emotions of those winning bronze. This wasn't them coming third and feeling dejected. Uh, it was them realising their dream I think we've always fed the idea that there can only be one champion but to me the winning mindset is all about setting this inspirational goal, this quest of personal mastery and then being disciplined and determined and focused and committed to achieve it. We're always going to be knocked off path, there's always going to be Uh, uncertainties and derailers but having that courage to set the goal and be disciplined to go for it in all of our lives I think is so inspirational so it starts with that courage and the striving for me. I also love the new sports coming into the Olympics with BMX and skateboarding providing a great spectacle and I'm sure so many kids will be able to relate to that in every district of every city around the world. I loved 13 year old Sky Brown winning a medal It's probably for the best smile in the Olympics, to be honest. And it was amazing to see her courage and camaraderie and that sense of adventure that she seems to have. Their innocent passion for the sport was so visible in those youngsters. They were at play, enjoying, experimenting and trying to master their skills. They weren't caught up in the, you know, fame and fortune. And they also seemed to have that mutual respect with their young teenage rivals. They knew they needed their adversaries to be at their best so they can bring out the best in them individually. Maybe we need to view our competitors in that way. We shouldn't be jealous and feel threatened. We should just feel the benefits that they bring for helping us to grow in our self-awareness of our relative weaknesses and the areas where we're strong. And And then we start to focus on our own race and closing the gaps, not necessarily on them, but between where we are now and our full potential. Maybe that's the race that we should focus on as much as anything. I also loved Tambary and Barsham uh, with that shared gold medal in the high jump. I'd normally love that binary competition of the Olympics, delivering one sole champion, saying that they're at the apex, the pinnacle of their sport for that four-year cycle. But after the last few years where there's been so much sad news and so much loss. I thought their celebration of sharing a gold medal and getting one each, I thought, you know, this isn't a zero-sum game, you know, sometimes. And, and their emotions said it all. So I thought that was a very special moment. And of course, you know, that couldn't happen everywhere in sport. And there's plenty with that laser-like focus that we're able to deliver personal bests, maybe break a world record, showing What we're capable of as human beings, we're restless and advancing, looking to improve all the time. I'm not a massive fan of every kid in the class getting a prize in in competitive situations, especially as they develop. We need to learn the lessons of competition and teamwork so that we get a broader view of what success really means. And we appreciate it much more when we've had some setbacks and had some losses when we eventually taste success. There were also some excruciating stories of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. The Dutch women's rowing team in the lightweight pairs, they were out in front and just 20 metres to go before the finish line, about to win a gold medal. And they did what they call catching a crab, where they jammed their oars in unison into the water, which was just like hitting a concrete wall. And they did it twice, which meant they rapidly lost ground. And... Uh, lost out on the medals and that is absolutely brutal to have thrown away a gold medal like that but these are the human games these are human quests for excellence and failure is absolutely part of the script just like the successful gladiator standing on top of the podium uh, with the gold medal at the end of the day so you know there has to be these two extremes of victors and losers and that was such a painful one to watch and I'm sure they've worked so hard and to fall 20 meters short and make a mistake was really tragic. I was really inspired by one athlete who refused to be beaten and that was Sifan Hassan who was tripped over in the heat of her 1500 meters race and stumbled over into last position but without any histrionics without playing the victim and blaming anyone she spun back up to her feet in seconds and ran the rest of the race like her life depended on it. And she went on to win that heat and eventually went on to win the gold medal. And she also won the gold in the 5,000 metres on the same day, can you believe? So that was an incredible story. So many of us can say that the last few years have tripped us up or held us back. So let's be a little bit more Sifan uh, Hassan and make sure that we stay committed to running our own race all the way through. Another story of determination and patience was Tom Daley, who after 13 years of trying to win a gold, he actually won one alongside his partner, Matty Lee, in the pairs diving. Tom's tears from behind his mask spoke volumes of his personal journey up onto the podium. He's a massive social media influencer as well, so I really hope that he can create that ripple effect and inspire thousands of kids to persevere and follow their dreams And maybe they'll also take up knitting as well. Now, probably the biggest story of the Olympics was that of Simone Biles, the legendary American gymnast, pulling out of the final of the team event and some of the individual events due to her mental health concerns. She said that her mind and body weren't in sync and she needed some time to work on her mindfulness. This absolutely sent shockwaves through sport and the media, as no one has ever made this stance in such a high profile tournament. That's not to say there hasn't been high profile athletes that have suffered from mental health issues in tournaments before, far from it. It's just that they might not have been selected in the final team lineup or they would have claimed to be injured to stay under the radar. Simone didn't do that; she broke the radar and was incredibly courageous to do so. As the news broke, I was asked to do a few media interviews, and my social media timeline filled up with people speaking about her and cricketer Ben Stokes, who'd also said that he needed a break for mental health reasons, being weak and letting everyone else down, as if there was some kind of legal or moral obligation to entertain us 365 days a year. Adam Peaty, the gold medal swimmer, also said that he was taking a break after the lead up to the Olympics which took so much emotional energy for these athletes and he said he would have got ill without a break. So I think actually this is the courageous stance to stand up and and break ranks and say that you're not able to carry on or you do need a break rather than just trying to you know soldier on through it and, and tough it out as we've heard about in past generations. There's a massive difference between being resilient which is about managing your energy long term and being relentless which is just where we cram everything in as much as we can to get the results as humans we build resilience through short bursts of intense effort followed by downtime to recover and it's just like developing a muscle in the gym we stress it by overload so that we can then have a rest for a few days while the fibres strengthen and build even more capacity and our muscles grow. Our mental health's just the same. Uncertainty, change, a lack of control, not to mention judgment and the expectation of others are the dumbbells in this case. They are the weight, they are the load. And we need those short periods of intense competition, but we also need that time away to decompress and the problem for many of the athletes and sports stars around the world this year is that there were periods of complete isolation where no tournaments could happen, no travel could happen and then all of a sudden due to financial TV rights and and schedules that needed to be delivered the athletes then had to compress their fixtures into a shorter period of time, spend longer away from home and not see their bodies. So athletes you know, have been under real pressure and I'm not surprised in the slightest that it's them rather than the stakeholders that are calling time and asking for more space and more breaks. It's just a matter of time before this relentlessness catches up with us. Athletes develop this incredible self-awareness when it comes to their bodies moving through space, especially the gymnasts. It's called proprioception. We all have it, but athletes who are used to training, holding their body positions and moving their bodies through multiple planes at high speed, it becomes a sixth sense for them. Simone Biles must have incredible proprioception to be able to throw herself through time and space how she does and land perfectly on her feet, almost redefining her sport. I think I heard some of the judges struggle to keep up with her grading, so they've had to invent new scoring scales. She's incredible. So she's demonstrated that her self-awareness isn't just physical now, it's also psychological. She knew that something wasn't right and rather than just tough it out as we would have done, she stopped and said that the risk of injury with this sensation of the twisties, as she called it, was too high. After all, who wants to be doing no-handed somersaults spinning around on a three-inch wooden beam when you're not feeling your balance properly? For most people that are having a poor mental health day, we can't even get out of bed or get to the door or answer our phone. But we expect our athletes to be chiselled out of granite and perform like robots. What the armchair supporter doesn't see is that while they moved from the sofa to the kitchen and back to the sofa again and pressed the red button on their remote control, The athletes have flown halfway around the world, had 632 COVID tests, 833 COVID meetings, 1,000 solo meals, months away from their family and are competing in a sterile stadium that makes it feel like some bizarre social experiment. And that's not to mention the critique and analysis from a million journalists that all watch the TV in slow motion and think they should be changing their technique. Now being an elite sports star is an incredible privilege and it comes with responsibility without a doubt. But I think we're mistaken if we expect professional athletes that train six hours a day every day of their year to have the same enjoyment and mindset that we have if we're playing recreational sport once a week or once a fortnight. It's a completely different demand and a completely different stress level and that intensity has increased over the last 18 months. So I'm really pleased that Simone Biles and Ben Stokes pulled out and chose that human story, that human path, because I think it's going to become even more important. And I think it will actually force stakeholders to reorganize their schedules to consider high performance, not high value and high volume, because there's no way that if this was not a financial thing that... People would organise the schedules with the density of tournaments that they've had if they weren't set up previously through, as I say, TV rights or commitments that have been made long in advance. So I think at some point we need to think about the human side of the fixture schedule because everybody wants to see the athletes compete at their very best individually and also seeing full squads available through being fit and raring to go. So if that means we see our athletes slightly less often, then I think that's definitely the way forward. So whether it's Michael Phelps, Simone Biles, or Ben Stokes, I think it's really important that our top athletes are talking about this really important element of mental health and well-being because the frontier is really important to understand what mental health actually means, because When we say we're injured, we know that there could be muscles, ligaments, tendons, different grades of tear, breaks, fractures and ruptures. We understand those physical injuries, you know, in great detail and we tend not to worry about it. Even when Andy Murray at the Olympics pulled out of an event, there was no mention, but Simone Biles pulls out for a mental health issue, and there was a massive uproar. So the physical elements tend to go unnoticed. We're just used to that. So we need people to talk about mental health because they are equally debilitating, if not more so. So when we talk about mental health, it's perceived as one massive binary issue at the moment. But we need to understand the nuances and interplay, just like in those physical injuries. There's confidence, focus, anxiety, grief, team conflict, eating disorders and loneliness. All those different elements are like strands that can unravel together or individually. So these elements can't be picked up on an MRI scan. So we need athletes to have the courage of to be vulnerable and to share what they're experiencing because these mental health challenges can be equally debilitating to that of a physical injury. And all of this at a time when you're expected to be at your physical peak competing for fractions of a second in the glare of the global public spotlight. Now, no one wants to take away the competition and the brutal reality of pressure, rivalry and fighting against the best of the best. But if one of our athletes or one of our colleagues in the workplace is really struggling, then we need to listen and we need to try and understand which strand of their life and their mental health is unravelling before we try and jump into some broad brush fix and just tell them to toughen up and get on with it. I really hope that like many of the social movements we've seen come to the forefront of public consciousness in recent months that Simone Biles' stance at the Olympics provides a new benchmark for other people to show vulnerability because if she can do it at the Olympics we can all do it in our communities and workplaces too. Most people's definition of success in sport and business is to think about going the journey, to have the self-awareness, the energy management and the resilience to complete the journey. Sustainability is such a massive leadership uh, topic at the moment, but it isn't just about plastics in the ocean. It's about us conserving our energy and having these daily flows of energy with recovery and downtime and holidays and breaks so that we can make sure that we have the mental energy to stay focused and committed in short bursts to deliver great impact, just like our athletes do. And 2020 and 2021 has felt a bit like an ultramarathon with sprints and weight sessions along that long road. So before we judge anyone else, I think this is a great opportunity for us all just to take a moment to reflect on our own mental health, our own mindset, our own energy levels, our sleep, our confidence and our ability to perform under pressure. Because if we can look after ourselves and prioritise that impact that we want to make in our work and our life rather than just being busy fools all the time, then that's absolutely critical to us being resilient and to us being successful in the long term. I hope you enjoyed the Olympics and this quick reflection. Please do drop me a note via hello at sportingedge.com or connect on LinkedIn and we can keep that debate going. If I can help you or your business in any way with webinars, live keynotes or digital content, please shout. The Tokyo Games will be remembered for many things, but once again, our athletes deserve all the praise in the world for daring to push themselves and each other to achieve special things. And with the Paralympics on the way, even more incredible stories of the human spirit overcoming adversity lie ahead, so I can't wait for that. So until next time, as they say in downtown Tokyo, arigato and sayonara.